Hi there, this is Omar Crook, host of Living with a Genius. I want to personally thank you for your financial support. Your donation helps keep this show chugging right along, and I truly couldn't do it without you. As always, thanks for listening. Be kind, do good work, and until next time. Here's Living with a Genius for May 5th, 2020. 129 years ago tonight marks the grand opening of Carnegie Hall. Carnegie Hall is named after Andrew Carnegie, who funded its construction. It was intended as a venue for the Oratorio Society of New York and the New York Symphony Society, on whose boards Carnegie served. Construction began in 1890 and was carried out by Isaac A. Hopper and Company. Although the building was in use from April 1891, the official opening night was May 5th with a concert conducted by maestro Walter Damrosch and the great Russian composer Tchaikovsky. Originally known simply as Music Hall, the hall was renamed Carnegie Hall in 1893 after board members of the Music Hall Company of New York persuaded Carnegie to allow the use of his name. Several alterations were made to the building between 1893 and 96, including the addition of two towers of artist studios and alterations to the smaller auditorium on the building's lower level. The hall was owned by the Carnegie family until 1925, when Carnegie's widow sold it to a real estate developer, Robert E. Simon. When Simon died in 1935, his son, Robert Simon Jr., became the owner. By the mid-1950s, changes in the music business prompted Simon to offer Carnegie Hall for sale to the New York Philharmonic, which booked the majority of the hall's concert dates each year. But the orchestra declined, since it planned to move to Lincoln Center, then in the early stages of planning. At the time, it was widely believed that New York City could not support two major concert venues. Facing the loss of the hall's primary tenant, Simon was forced to offer the building for general sale. A deal with a commercial developer fell through, and by 1960, with a New York Phil on the move to Lincoln Center, the building was slated for demolition to make way for a commercial skyscraper. Under pressure from a group led by violinist Isaac Stern and many of the artist residents, special legislation was passed that allowed the city of New York to buy the site from Simon for $5 million, which, by the way, Simon would use later to establish the internationally known planned community of Reston, Virginia. Two years later, in May of 1962, Carnegie Hall was designated a National Historic Landmark. Most of the greatest performers of classical music since the time Carnegie Hall was built have performed in the main hall, and its lobbies are adorned with signed portraits and memorabilia. The NBC Symphony Orchestra, conducted by Arturo Toscanini, frequently recorded in the main hall for RCA Victor. On November 14th of 1943, the 25-year-old Leonard Bernstein had his major conducting debut when he had to substitute for a suddenly ill Bruno Walter in a concert that was broadcast by CBS, making him instantly famous. In the fall of 1950, the orchestra's weekly broadcast concerts were moved there until the orchestra disbanded in 1954. Several of the concerts were televised by NBC, preserved on kinescopes, and have been released on home video. Many legendary jazz and popular music performers have also given memorable performances at Carnegie Hall, including Benny Goodman, Duke Ellington, Glenn Miller, Billie Holiday, the Dave Brubeck Quartet, and the list goes on and on and on. 
The hall has also been the site of many famous lectures, including the Tuskegee Institute Silver Anniversary Lecture by Booker T. Washington and the last public lecture by Mark Twain, both in the year 1906. The old joke that begins, how do you get to Carnegie Hall, has become part of the folklore of the hall itself, but its origins remain a mystery. According to the New York Times, the main player in the story has been described at various times as either an unnamed man, violinist Yasha Heifetz, or the pianist Arthur Rubinstein. On its webpage, Carnegie Hall quotes the wife of violinist Misha Elman as having perhaps the best story of its origin. One day after rehearsal that hadn't pleased Elman, the couple was leaving Carnegie Hall by the backstage entrance when they were approached by two tourists looking for the hall's entrance. Seeing his violin case, they asked, how do you get to Carnegie Hall? Without looking up, forlorn, and continuing on his way, Elman simply replied, practice. At any rate, I guess it doesn't really matter how the story goes, because practice is exactly how you get to Carnegie Hall. Thanks for listening. Be kind, do good work, and until next time.